our scripture for today in the book of Luke is a story of Jesus fasting, which isn't something that I planned. Uh, we're just going through the book of Luke. Are you guys enjoying Luke? Say yes. All right. Um, this is our 12th week in Luke. There's only uh, 60 more to go, okay? And where we pick up is a really cool story of Jesus practicing fasting. We're going to look at it in depth uh, this morning. Luke chapter four, verses one through something. And I don't remember. Uh, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment and said to him, to you, I give all this authority and their glory for it's been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you worship me, the devil is saying to Jesus, if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then he took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they'll bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What I want you to notice first is that Jesus encounters evil after he has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we think about if I get myself in a situation where I will encounter evil, you think it's like in some dark alley or something like that. Jesus encounters evil when he has been baptized and the spirit has come upon him. Let's look at the verses again. It says, in Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, that's where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So the place that Jesus encounters evil is a place that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has led him. I don't have all the connections for you in that. I just want you to see what's happening is that Jesus is closely connected with God and being led by God into a place, and it's there that evil shows up. It says he's there for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. So Bible scholars, how long is 40 days in the Bible? It's a long time, right? In the Bible, if you see 40 days, or 40 days and 40 nights, or 40 years, it is an indication that something is happening for a long time. They're trying to say, I don't know how to really put it to words, it's just a long time. And you know, I might ask you today, has anybody here been going through something for a long time? Have you felt depressed for a long time? If I ask you, how long have you been dealing with that thing? You might be like, a long time. And if you've been in something for 40 days, if you've been in something for a long time, if you've been oppressed or beat down or, or hurting or grieving or in pain or whatever it may be, you know how you feel after you've been in something for a long time. You feel what? Frustrated, tired, tired of it weak. But it's interesting, Jesus is not described with any of those words, though he may have been feeling that. It just says that Jesus was hungry. He was hungry because he had not had bread in 40 days. And the devil says, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, some of you know my philosophy on bread, right? My philosophy on bread is bread is good. 
Okay, there may be some other voices in the world right now who will tell you different. There's all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of ways that are saying remove bread from your, from your life. And those are uh, evil, okay? So, uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. My, uh, my wife, Rachel, uh, Rachel on Monday, just this last Monday, she told me, she said, Jake, I'm, I'm going on keto, you know? And I know what that means in our house. It means she's gonna be in a bad mood. Uh, you know, so... Um, there's this thing that happens. You talk to these people on keto and you can tell they're not feeling good at all. You're like, what's going on? They're like, well, I'm in ketosis. That's what I'm, that's what's happening here. I'm in ketosis. And I'm like, yeah, that's your body saying, I want bread. So I'm just kidding. I know some of y'all are keto. I get that. I'm just telling you it's not biblical, right? And, and the devil is offering Jesus bread and it's good. Bread is good. It's a good thing that the evil one is putting before Jesus. But what I want you to see in this whole scenario is that it's really confusing how the devil's talking to Jesus because what the devil does is he confuses actually what the way the evil will come against you and against me, the way evil works is it works by using lies. Lies that confuse. That's actually how evil shows up in the very beginning in Genesis when a snake is slithering through paradise in the garden. The snake approaches Eve and, and he says to her, he says, he says, God said you can't eat from any tree in the garden, right? And Eve scratches her head. She says, she's thinking, that's not what God said at all. She, she actually replies, she says, no, God didn't say we can't eat from every tree in the garden. God said we can eat from any tree in the garden. He just said you can't eat from this one tree and if you eat from this one tree, you're going to die. That sounds like good advice, right? That sounds like somebody who's looking out for you. That doesn't sound like someone who's trying to trick you at all. That's saying, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. But the devil confuses. He says, God said, you can't eat from any tree in the garden. And by the end of it, Eve is deceived. And this buffoon, Adam, who's with her, he goes along with it. And they create the biggest mess that's ever been made because the evil one has tricked them. The evil one has tricked them into doing something that only God is supposed to be able to do. That's actually the root of who Satan is in the Bible. If you've ever heard of his origin, he was an angel of God, created. He's a created one, which means he's not God. He's not on the level of God. He's not on par with God. He can't do the things that God does. But Satan chooses self-exaltation over God-exaltation. And in the world today still, that is called evil. Anytime we choose to try to be like God. And so the devil is placing before Jesus, not bread. He's telling him, you can make bread. He's telling Jesus, you can do what God can do. And Jesus is God. So he probably could do that, but he's not taking the bait to be tricked by the devil to do something that will satisfy his hungry belly. He puts aside the physical needs because he's desiring to stay faithfully, spiritually in that moment. And so what Jesus says to the devil in that moment, he doesn't fight the devil. He doesn't say buzz off. He just speaks to him and he says, uh, actually, uh, people don't live on bread alone, which is a scripture, Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. So Jesus, instead of fighting the devil, just simply speaks truth the word of God to the liar, right? He doesn't get into any kind of, you know, mechanics or, you know, crazy stuff. He's just like, nope, man does not live on bread alone. And he silences that lie, but the devil is persistent. And so he tries something else. And he says to Jesus, he says, actually, I've got authority over all the kingdoms in the world. 
And you would think Jesus, who is going to be lifted up as king, might be interested in being the king of all the kingdoms of the world. That might be a temptation to him. And so the devil says to him, I've got all that. He says, all you have to do is, is worship me. All you have to do is, uh, if, you, if you worship, it will all be yours. But Jesus answers him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve, which is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 13. Jesus has been studying Deuteronomy, right? At his uh, synagogue, some guy did a 75 week study on Deuteronomy. (laughs) And he was familiar with it enough that when lies were coming his way, he was like, no, that's not true. We're only supposed to worship one person and that's God. And he silences. But what the evil one is doing, uh, the evil one will try to trick you into thinking it can give you something it doesn't have, okay? That's called a deal, right? The, the evil one is trying to make a deal with you. And it'll trick you into thinking um, you can do what only God uh, can do. Um, actually, let's go, to, uh, let's go to point number two there. Don't let, tri- yeah, don't let the evil one trick you into thinking it can give you something it doesn't have, right? And so what I mean by that is there's gonna be some deals that you might be tempted to make in your life. And they're, they're bad deals. So you might be tempted to be like, I, if I, you know, I, I've talked to people, it's like, if I leave my family behind, I can go and do this thing that will give me a lot of pleasure. Well, there's lies all throughout that. It won't work. Or there might be a business deal. It's actually a, a, a lie and built on a lie. And you, you know, if you take it, it'll give you some pleasure or give you some gain, but it's a, it's a bad deal. I experienced this in my own life just in the last week or so uh, when I was thinking about preaching on, we're gonna be talking about evil for the, na- in the next few weeks here. And I'll just let you know, I actually don't like preaching on evil. It's not my favorite thing. The last time we did it was in August. It's been a while. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why. When I talk about evil up here and when I'm preparing for it, I end up seeing more and experiencing more evil in my own life. That's like when I'll come hard at evil, evil comes hard at me. And so I actually had this moment in my house. I was standing around. I didn't realize it, but I was kind of making a deal. You know, or I felt like somebody was asking me, it was kind of like, hey, Jacob, if you don't preach on evil, you won't have to deal with all this crud in your own life. It's all this static, you know, and I, I kind of liked that idea. I mean, I thought, man, it'd be great just to preach a nice, neat sermon today. And I'll confess something to you. I actually thought about skipping this portion of the scripture. The next portion of scripture, Jesus is, we're going to look at it next week. He, he has one of my favorite things where he says uh, that he's bringing good news to the poor. And I was going to have my buddy Scott here and Angela. And I thought, man, that would be a great scripture for today. It would have been perfect. We would have been encouraged. We would have seen how we are aligning with Jesus. I thought if I just skip over that little part, we could have done that. And uh, I'll tell you what, I was standing in my kitchen. That deal was placed before me. And I just said out loud, no deal. No deal. Not to, I'm not saying that to make me look strong or anything like that. I'm just saying I've learned that there's actually really no good deals with evil. <laughs> you make the deal thinking that it will lead to this thing and it doesn't, it doesn't lead to that at all. Every deal with the devil is a raw deal. What he's placing before you, that'll look good at one, one point. Once you take it, it's not good at all. Rachel and I went yesterday to uh, this new wholesale place over here in Providence, BJ's. Have you guys been there? I know you've been there. I saw like 30 of you there yesterday. <laughs> It was terrible. I would not recommend going on a Saturday. But anyways, uh, I'd never been to a place like that. And it was a little overwhelming. Everybody that saw me, we had nothing in the cart. They're like, what are you guys doing? We're like, we don't know. (laughs) 
Um, and we're like looking at these signs. I mean, you know, it's honey bunches of oats. And it's like, well, the honey bunches of oats is 40 cents a pound. Is that a good deal? I'm like, I'm not so sure. I've never even looked at anything like that. I just get a box of honey bunch of oats. So anyways, we leave there that day. It was really embarrassing. We got home. We had like the largest thing of paper towels ever that there's no place for in our house. Uh, 172 red solo cups and the, this enormous chocolate chip cookie. And I was looking at that and I thought, I'm not, I'm not sure that was a good deal or not, you know? I'm not trying to say BJ's is evil. I really don't know. Uh, but the whole thing to me was confusing. And what I want to say to you is like in life, if you're like dealing with spiritual stuff and, and everything's really confusing and it's super complicated, that's probably not God. God is not trying to trick you. Um, the devil works in confusing, complicated deals that are not actually deals at all. And what Jesus is showing us is that we're actually not supposed to be in a deal-making business with the devil or get into playing a lot of games with God. The third temptation that is offered to Jesus is the devil takes him from where he is in the wilderness near the Jordan River to Jerusalem. Remember in Luke, we're always moving to Jerusalem. Well, even in this story, we go to Jerusalem to this pinnacle, this tower on the corner of the temple. And they're standing there, either in the spirit or physically, we don't know. And the devil offers to Jesus, he says, if you throw yourself off of here, there'll be angels, I bet, that'll just come and sweep you up. Like playing this game with God. Jesus responds, uh, do not put the Lord your God to the test, which is Deuteronomy 6, 16. Jesus, every temptation, he speaks the word of God. And what he's trying to show in this place is don't let evil trick you into playing games with God. What I mean by that is it's easy to think, if I do, if I do this, God will do this. If I do this, God will do this. And God actually doesn't really work in that kind of transactional way. We think if I do this, this, and this, God will love me. Or if I do, if I encounter and do these religious things, I go to the fasting practice, I do whatever, then maybe I'll get my way to heaven. That's not how God works, right? Here's how, here's how God works. God is not saying, if you do this, I'll love you. He's saying, I love you. <laughs> That's the deal. He's not saying, if you do all these religious things, you'll get away to heaven. He's saying, Jesus is the way to heaven. <laughs> and so what Jesus is, is, is showing the devil, he's like, I'm actually in relationship with God. I know God, I'm connected with God, I have his word inside of me, I can speak it. I'm not doing these kind of deals that you're doing. And he silences the devil by speaking the truth of the word of God to a confusing, lying, deceptive one. With Jesus, here's the deal, here's the deal. Evil loses. That's why evil doesn't want us talking about this, doesn't want us saying these things. Because we speak the word of God here and like it did with Jesus in the wilderness, it shames the devil, it humbles us and it gives God glory. And so what we have been trying to do here is to be looking for the things that are happening in the spiritual realm so that we are not ignorant to what is happening in, in the spiritual realm with evil and things coming against us. But we're not walking around in fear of that because we know that God is going to deliver us. So... The last time that I talked about evil from this stage was the last Sunday in August. 
I was talking about spiritual things. We were studying Daniel. Some of y'all remember that. And I was saying when the spirit is working, oftentimes when we see it, it's weird. And I shared this weird encounter I had while I was writing my sermon in my truck. I had the windows down and this butterfly flew in and sat on my Bible. Does anybody remember that? Y'all remember me sharing that? So, okay. So the butterfly flew in, sat down on my Daniel 7. I moved my truck later, shooed, you know, Jesus out of the window. And then... Um, <laughs> And then the butterfly came back. And so that Sunday in August, we were just having fun with that. I, I remember I said, I got nothing for you on this. I just sensed that maybe something was happening in the spirit. And I said, I wanted to tell you about it. Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, as I've been preparing for this series, I, I want to admit to you that I have felt the attack of evil, spiritual attack in my life. And there was one particular night where I woke up in the night and I've been doing this long enough that after I wrestled around with it for a while, I recognized evil is trying to come against me. I felt like there was a spiritual attack on me. I felt terrible. I felt like there was this pressure pressing me down into my bed. I know that sounds weird. And so I prayed through Ephesians chapter six, where it talks about the spiritual forces of evil in these realms there's a beautiful way that we can pray, putting on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Y'all know my, the shoes of peace, um, the helmet of salvation, the, sh the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. And so I prayed through those things. I was just feeling terrible, feeling oppressed. I pulled the covers up over my head. I just covered everything but my face, you know, like the covers were my armor. And I looked down at my cat, Romeo, is sitting on the floor in front of me. It's dark. I looked down at Romeo and, and right as I look at him, he jumps up and just puts his claw right in my cheek. And it's like stuck in my cheek. The only thing I had exposed. And I pulled it out and I was like, good grief, my cat's possessed by a demon, you know? <laughs> like, this is so weird. It's so weird to even talk about it. And so the next morning I started talking to Rachel about it. And we're like, we know what this is, man. The evil one's coming against us. And we got to get rid of that cat. And, uh, <laughs> and so we called up um, this uh, pastor in our life. Her name's Diana. She's was our pastor when we were teenagers, our first church I worked at. She's journeyed with us spiritually. And we said, we need you to pray for us. And it was during all the ice and snow, but that was our first outing out. And we got in the, the van and we drove to her house. I'd never been to her house before. I came in, it was so warm and peaceful. And I sat down on the couch and I looked up over her fireplace and there was um, this stained glass. And, and I said to her, I said, I've seen that before. It's odd to have a piece, big piece of stained glass. And she's like, well, you've never been to my house before. I was like, well, I've seen this before. She said, it was custom made for me. You've never seen it before. And anyway, she prayed over us. She spoke the word of God to us. She anointed us with oil in the name of, the, in the name of Jesus. And we began to feel peace in our lives and began to walk in peace, even if there's crud coming against us. Anyway, the next day she texts me and Rachel and she said, uh, Jacob, she said, you're right. I forgot you have seen that stained glass before. She said, do you remember that sermon you preached back in August about the butterfly? And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, I heard you preach that. And that day I sent you a picture of the stained glass. This is what was above her uh, uh, fireplace. I still have no idea what any of this means, okay? But I know, I recognize when the spirit is at work. When my heavenly father, who I'm in relationship with, not in a business deal with this, is speaking to me, showing me things, proving that he's still walking with me. Even when I'm feeling attacked, he's saying, nope, I'm still with you. The spirit of God is with you. And so what we do in this realm right now is we pay attention. We don't fear evil, but we recognize when it's there. We know God will deliver us from evil. And ultimately what the followers of Jesus do with evil, Ephesians chapter six says, is we stand, no fear, because evil loses. 
because of what Jesus did on the cross, through his sacrifice, his blood shed for us, the conquering of sin and death, and then ultimately busting through a tomb door like no one had ever done before and stood alive on the other side of death, shaming the devil for good. And so an invitation will be for you this morning as you're coming for communion. It's probably not for everybody, but you know, if you're like, I've been going through something for a long time and I'm tired of it. I'm weak, I'm hungry, I'm oppressed. There's evil coming against my family. There's evil, there's something, I, don't, I can't explain it. In a gentle way, we're gonna have pastors in the windows here on these sides and they're gonna pray over you a simple scripture that Jesus spoke and, these, and they're gonna say, serve only one God and pray a prayer of deliverance from evil and healing for your soul. The church is a good place for that kind of thing. So let us pray. God, thank you for Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, the breaking of his body and him offering to, it, to us as bread, the shedding of his blood, which we receive in the cup. As we come to communion, let us receive Jesus. I just speak that name over every person in the room and everybody online, Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's things that can happen with that name that can't happen any other way. We know. In his name we pray, amen.